We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. In our business, there is no second place. Either your first or your last. Exactly two minutes remain in this football game. Dallas leads Green Bay 17-14. Shar on third down. Third and goal. Quarterback. Three seconds left. Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the third straight year. Far. Lays it up for Freeman and it's incomplete. And or did he cave in the catch at the 15? Yes. What are they gonna roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? Rogers in trouble. It's gonna get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone! It is caught for the win! Richard Rogers! With a walk-off touchdown. The final snap of Super Bowl 45. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talk of the Tundra, your Green Bay Packers podcast that is a proud partner of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire family. As always, I am your host, Numak, and joining me once again for another one more than we thought we would be doing for sure. Playoff preview is my lovely co-host, Jordan Trusky. Jordan, how you doing, buddy? Hello, I'm ready. I am ready for the Green Bay Packers to play football again because I'm on such a high. I'm on such a high. You were one I am ready away from me calling you SpongeBob. FYI. <laughs> I calculated it so I could avoid the SpongeBob tag or call. <laughs> Uh, of course, we are coming to after the uh, Packers beat the Cowboys on Sunday. If you want to check out all the wonderful uh, analysis of our of our fun of that forty eight to thirty two victory, you can go check out the pod uh, in this feed. Previously, the one pod before this, it was a lot of fun. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. It's it's evergreen. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> but yeah. With uh with no cheeses to hand out in the playoffs. Uh, we're just gonna hop right into the uh, into the matchup. I guess a tiny bit of news and notes, and then hop right into the matchup between the Packers and the San Francisco 49ers. Um, mm. The Packers' fifth matchup with the 49ers since 2012, I believe, is the correct uh, in the playoffs. Criteria. In the playoffs, yes. 
That's crazy. It's pretty nuts. That's half of their 10 meetings. Yeah, because this is their 10th, right? Yes. This, this... And even even then, I could think, like, we could go back to the Super Bowl year because that was, they played the 49ers, so that was Desmond Howard's, like, huge game for the, the Super Bowl. The, the 90s Super Bowl. Yes, 90s, sorry. 90s Super Bowl. Desmond Howard, I believe, had two touchdowns that game. I could be wrong. I, would have, I probably should have looked this up. But it's super muddy, super wet. It's January at Labo. What, what else do you expect? Uh, you probably expect so. Um, but they played them then. Next year, they played the 49ers for the NFC Championship game. Then the following year, Mike Holmgren's last year, was the infamous um, uh, Terrell Owens fumble, or Jerry Rice fumble thing that was not called a fumble. And they oh. lost the Oh. So they played the 49ers eight times. That's eight times I can think of off the top of my head in the playoffs. In my life. The 96 playoffs would have been, right? The, the, uh, beat him 35 14. Desmond Howard had one, had a punt return. He had the punt return. I remember the punt return. I thought he had a kick return. Uh, it just says punt, but again, I might be on the wrong year. I'm on the January 4th, 1997. No, so you're it's the right, year before right. that. It's the year before I that. He, I thought he did. He did not. Still, he had one, which is which is good enough for that win. Anyways, back to the future. Uh, <laughs> I was going to make a reference, but I have to admit I haven't seen the movie, which I'm sure is going to get me yelled at by multiple people. I so. have seen only Back to the Future, not Back to the Future 2 or Back to the Future 3. Why are we going back again? That, that's what I think that's what it's called, right? Yeah, it's something like that. But I'm sure there's going to be scores of people in the Discord yelling at me for not having seen that <laughs> Michael J. Fox movie. Um, spoiler alert! Not spoiler. Alert. I don't know why. I, I don't know why I always say spoiler alert. I guess interjection alert. Go join the Discord gsp.info to go uh, talk <laughs> movies and listen to make time for this with Adam and Andrew and see if we'll do an episode on Back to the Future. Maybe I'll watch it. Any ways. Skirt back on the rails. Um, news and notes from Sunday, uh, or probably this week, uh, in the fallout of um, Sunday's win. Uh, JJ, JJ and Igbari unfortunately suffered a torn ACL late in the game against the Cowboys. Um, Matt LaFleur alluded to uh, such injury in his post game on Sunday when, um, they, when he was asked about it in the media, saying it didn't look good. Turns out it's not good. So, I know he said a lot of the uh, a lot of the locker room was feeling for uh, JJ because he was having a really good year, carving out a really nice role for for himself in backup situations, like filling in for Rashawn earlier in the year, filling in for um, I don't I guess not Devondre entirely, but just being a, a good linebacker slash edge rusher all year long off the bench. So really does suck for him, but I'm sure he'll be there. Um, cheering on his teammates in San Francisco. I'd sure hope so, at least, because he deserves to be there with them the entire way. I am. I feel... You can't help but feel for him, because one, I think he has... It's not that he's fallen through the cracks, but he's not talked about in the same vein as like a Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Carl Brooks, like any of the rookie class, obviously. But he's been really like sneakily good this year, mm-hmm. and he's not he's not getting starter level reps. He's in a rotational edge by any you know by any definition that you want to call it. But Eddie Barry, man, like I think he's the best run defender on the edge on the team. Um, 
can really get after the quarterback if you know gets beats his man and stuff like that. I just thought he put things together and actually made a couple like big special teams plays too. And you know, as much as we were lamenting the mistakes that that unit was making throughout the season, especially in you know some players that aren't even on the team anymore, Dell and Levin. Um, but yeah, I think I, I'm bummed that he's hurt. Especially, he I thought he had some good moments against Dallas. They're just going to need as many edge bodies, you know, against San Francisco. And you know, for a good year that he's had, it's it sucks to have to go back to kind of the first stage. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just not. It's not fun. Maybe, maybe it turns out where he can play most of next season. Based on you know the time that he suffered the injury, I mean we see the athletes come back, especially NFL players. They come back from torn ACLs pretty quickly, like mm-hmm. faster than we even imagine. Yeah, but still, like it's not it's not an easy injury by any means. Oh they, god, no. they they make it look a lot easier than than athletes and could have dealt with based on you know newer technology and all that stuff. But I'm rambling, but I I just feel for Anibari and I, I thought he really showed some not just flashes, but was putting things together and it sucks that an injury is disrupting that right now. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. He was the fifth round pick out of, out of last year's draft, as you alluded to not having been talked about with like Quay and Devante and um, the likes of those guys, but still a, a solid contributor for a fifth round pick. Nonetheless, um, this year he had two sacks and a forced fumble along with, along with 31 um, tackles total. So both solo and assisted. So, by no means a bad year. Like if you're a rotational guy getting home on the limited snaps that you're going to have, then like, you're just gonna, if, if you contribute any which way, that's just good. Like he had 207 pass rush snaps this year. Two sacks on that is not like a good percent. That's 1% of his snaps, but yeah. you have to think about, you're not in there every play getting, uh, getting reps like you would be if you're like Rashawn Gary or Preston Smith. So that might be a little bit reductive, but I think in general he had a uh, a good year just being available when he could be and having the impact he did. He wasn't like ever like missing, if that makes sense. Like we talked about him a fair amount this year, just having a good game here and there and and uh, contributing where he was needed. Mm-hmm. And for what it, and for what it's worth, he had uh, twenty four total pressures. So like that's pretty decent too given given his snaps so get well soon jj here's to hoping you can make it back for camp and uh have a good start to next year Absolutely. Um, with that i thought there is one other thing i wanted to mention but i cannot remember at the moment I, if i remember it i'll bring it back up but let's hop into the history between the packers and the 49ers this uh these two esteemed franchises. Um, as we mentioned earlier, this is the 10th playoff meeting between the Packers and the Niners. Um, the most between two, the most between two teams in NFL history, the Packers are four and five against the Niners and have lost the last four. As we again mentioned earlier, um, getting back to 500 here would be great. I would absolutely love that. Um, Matt LaFleur is two and three in facing the 49ers and, uh, Oh, and two in the postseason. Um, most notably the NFC championship game where they got, ran all over for like 250 in 2019 and the Raheem Mostert game, the Raheem Mostert game for, for a shorthand for anyone, yeah, that for anyone who not... forgot. Yeah. Um, 
and then the obviously the uh, the heartbreaker two years ago at Lambeau when it was as cold as uh, it was thirteen ten. That game was was tough. Steven Wordle, you don't even know who that is. I, I go go for it if you want to explain. He's the, the Packers' people. long snapper that they picked up and replaced the previous long snapper, and that's where all these special teams issues arise. Got it. Got it. Got it. That is yeah. uh. A bit of history I am thankful I forgot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I think notably there's a not a whole lot of love lost between Shanahan and Matt LaFleur. Like this has been a a matchup of some pettiness and some some heated emotions and post game handshakes and pretty short post game handshakes after sh- uh Matt LaFleur came from the Kyle Shanahan tr- sh- Shanahan tree um from when he was a quarterback's coach in Washington, and then uh, being on or yeah, being on staff with him in Washington, Atlanta. And, just, and Atlanta. So, notably, another face-off between these two coaches, which I think will add another interesting wrinkle wrinkle to this matchup. So, I the most the the team that he's faced the most that isn't a divisional opponent too. Clearly, yeah, probably that would. You see a lot of Mister Shanahan and company. Yeah, yeah, and. Obviously got the his two wins. I I forget when the first one was, but the most recent one was the one. Two I years looked that ago. up because I was like, when they played when them the during the one? COVID year. Oh, and they beat the. That was also the um um the year that the Forty ers like they suffered all these injuries. They were oh, not the okay. same team. Yeah, 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 that was the the year that they eventually. Drafted Trey Lance. That's what I was gonna guess. That sounds like the the time when they would have drafted Trey Lance. So and uh, made a tip for Aaron Rodgers that Aaron Rodgers facilitated, but uh, you know, did all of his stuff. Yeah, that's <laughs> what started the bad blood between Kyle Shanahan and Matt Lafleur. So always Rodgers. It's he's always in the middle of it, huh? <laughs> yeah. He's always in the middle of it. Um, so let's hop into the injury report. Uh, once again, long for the Packers. Uh, notably, it is they play Saturday. Today is Wednesday for this injury report. Um, the Packers did held a walkthrough on Wednesday and did not practice on Tuesday. So these are all estimations. So uh, for the Packers, uh, limited on, or what was the guesstimate of a limited practice on Tuesday and a walkthrough Wednesday. Jair did not practice on um, Wednesday with his shoulder and ankle injury. I don't know if he plays, frankly, just because... Joe Barry apparently said that he was further along um, now than compared to last week. That's good. It did not look good during the game. Like, the way Jair reacted while he was on the ground after his injury looked pretty bad. Yeah. But on the sideline, he looked like he was in good spirits talking to teammates, so... There, yeah, right, there, there's that. They beat the bricks out of the Cowboys. They did. They did. So, to go with it, uh, Kenny Clark was limited in practice. Um, again, this is a walkthrough, so it's not literally practice, but this is just their designations. Um, AJ Dillon and, uh, did not participate. JJ Anigbari is out, obviously. Rashawn Gary was limited with a knee injury. I'm guessing that's just held over from the rest of the season, I would imagine. Um, yeah. Elton Jenkins got quote-unquote upgraded to today's walkthrough for being limited. Aaron Jones is also limited. Same with, so is Isaiah McDuffie. Did McDuffie play last week? He did, right? He did. He got he hurt, did. and then... Yeah. He had, he had a, he, he had a stinger. 
get a stinger. Yeah. Um, so then um, he was limited, as I mentioned. Keyshawn Nixon was limited with a toe. Jonathan Owens was limited with a knee. Jaden Reed was limited with his chest injury. That's been his issue all season. Um, Darnell Savage uh, was limited. Preston Smith was limited. Quay Walker was a full participant with a shoulder injury. And Christian Watson was limited as well. So a lot of this, I would imagine, the limited designation for is just preventative. Just like, hey, this guy is injured and he might not play. But I think all of these guys, except for A.J. Dillon, played last week, if not mistaken. He did not. Right. All, like all these guys on oh, the list, he, except yes, for A.J. Yes. Dillon, played last week. Yep. So uh, obviously outside of the new injuries to um, J.J., Jair, and um, Isaiah McDuffie, I would assume most of these guys play again um, this week against the 49ers. Uh, for the 49ers, they did hold practice this week as far as this uh, injury report is concerned. I don't see a designation for, for them either. But uh, Eric Armstead, their defensive tackle, they're expecting him back. He was limited on Tuesday and a full participant on on Wednesday. So um, that's big for them. Their safety, Jair Brown, um, was a full participant both days. Uh, their center, John Feliciano, was limited or was, was a full participant both days. Uh, tight end, clean. Yeah, clean Farrell. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Claylin. Um, Might be Claylin. It looks like Claylin. Uh, did not participate with a knee injury both days. Uh, Tayshawn Gibson was a safety as a quad injury. He was a full participant both days, as was Danny Gray, the wide receiver. He wasn't going to see much time, anyways. <laughs> Dre Greenlaw, their <laughs> linebacker, had had an Achilles injury. He did not participate on Tuesday. It was limited on Wednesday. Um, stars, George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey are both full participants with their respective back and calf injuries. Um, safety, George Odom, was a full participant on Wednesday, being upgraded from limited on Tuesday. Safety, Logan Ryan, was limited on Wednesday, being upgraded from, from a DMP on Tuesday. Uh, Trent Williams, their tackle, was a vet rest, so that doesn't matter. And then uh, Ambry Thomas, their quarterback, cornerback, was a full participant both days with a hand injury. So, for all intents and purposes, coming in pretty healthy for the for the Niners. Um, but yeah, them getting Eric Armstead back is a is a pretty big boost for them as they had been missing him for a few uh, a few games for sure. I'm trying to find his uh, his game log this year so that I can see how many games he actually played. Because I don't think it was was too many. He's been out since the beginning of December, so. Oh. Yeah, he got injured in the, in the Seahawks or the Eagles game. Mm. So, getting him back for them is uh is pretty big because, um, up until that point he had five uh five sacks this year, and is obviously one of their uh one of their veterans former former first round pick. So, with that said. Some key little facts, and then instead of, uh, like we had mentioned, or how we do it in the past, we're going to do a bit of a breakdown this uh, this pod. We're going to do keys to the 49ers winning, and then keys to the Packers winning. So I guess what what exists for each team, and how they can uh, find their way to a victory on Saturday. But um, before we get to that, the 49ers are 5-3 and three when playing at home this season with a plus 65 point dif- differential. And uh, 52.9% opponent winning percentage. So the three losses the 49ers suffered at home came to the Bengals, 
um, which was the end of their three game slide. Like that was the Niners had lost three in a row, that being the the final one. They lost the uh, Baltimore at home and then the Rams at home, uh, and that was the final game of the regular season when the Niners had sat a bunch of their starters. So uh, take that loss as you will, as not not being too much, but losing to the Bengals and losing the to Sam, the, the Sam Darnold Carson Wentz game. Correct. Just just a a football game for, to be sure. Yeah. <laughs> One of the all time football games of the NFL. <laughs> um. Green Bay is five and five and playing on the road this season, including uh, one and zero after their victory on Sunday, with a plus fifty four point differential and a forty six point four opponent winning percentage. So, if anything, I don't want to say this is like a clash of two teams doing well at, on both sides, but five and five, I say is okay. And when you take the three, the two losses that they the Niners lost against the Ravens and the Bengals. The Bengals, I think, was post Burrow injury, if not mistaken. Mm-mm. It was not. Mm-mm. No, I was. I was thinking that was uh, Jake Browning territory. It was not. Got it. That was when they were starting to find their kind of sea legs again, and then Burrow got hurt. Their jungle legs. Apparently, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. <laughs> you know um, yeah, that was Joe Burrow here. Let me bring it up yeah joe burrow was heavily featured in a game where they kind of throttled the 49ers to be honest got it got it got it got it but yeah that being said the 49ers are the top team in the nfc they have looked like it pretty much all year long outside of the best offense losing, losing streak yeah one of the best offenses. like i i know we were talking about it with the cowboys last week I mean, we saw how good it was. Right. Um, but the 49ers just have uh, really good players at all the skill positions. Yeah. Like, it is, like, I don't know if we can, like, equate it to, like, a, a super team in, like, an NBA sense. Kind of. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We can kind of, I mean, the, the obvious thing is, you know, Brock Purdy. But he's he's been really good. Uh-huh. He's been one of the I, best best quarterbacks in the league. See, okay, I'm just going to, let's get into this right now. Because I just. Yeah. Yeah, let's get into it. So we're gonna start with how the four nine. No, no, no. Oh, sorry. I just I have a I have, I don't know if it's a diatribe or what. Okay, go for it. I'll, I will mute and let you go on your diatribe. So, Brock Purdy was literally the last draft pick, not this most recent draft, but the year before. Mister Relevant. Mister Relevant. Then he takes over for an injured. Jimmy Garoppolo, after the 49ers initially started Trey Lance and then said, hey, this guy's not good. Nope. Going back to, nope. He, to, he busted oh, his... Yeah. He busted he, his ankle. That's right. So two quarterbacks got hurt for Brock Purdy to emerge and then become better than both. And... I have seen a lot of there. There was at one point there was a legitimate case this year, and rightfully so, deservingly so, that Brock Purdy was an MVP candidate, and I was thinking you're crazy. Yeah, I mean, like I'm like this is not real. First of all, I would not even say he's the most valuable player on his team. Um, I would give that to Christian McCaffrey, but in terms of raw quarterback abilities. There, there are so many, like, I don't know if it's just the draft status. I don't know if it's the fact that he was, like, a marginal college quarterback from what I can remember. Like, he went to Iowa State. That's not a state or not a school that pumps out quarterbacks on the reg. So, um, there's just all this built-up, like, skepticism about Brock Purdy, and he has answered every one of them. And the only thing that I can say is like, hey, do it in the playoffs, like a you know, a Mike Francesa caller or whatever. And then I realized, oh, <laughs> Brock Purdy's like arm like got he got he had, he he had, had Tommy sex. John surgery. Yeah, he got sex so much that he got Tommy John surgery, a baseball injury for a football playing quarterback. So this this is my long winded way of saying Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. I still don't know if he is like the quarterback, but he's shown to be to be a good quarterback. But I also think <laughs> he has the best supporting cast around him. It is insane. It's an embarrassment of riches. I don't that's why it's really hard to just like say to evaluate someone like as a pure quarterback when you could say like, well, he's got literally arguably like the top whatever at any running back tight end wide receiver he has like everything of that no quarterback in history has had that maybe troy aikman did with the cowboys like that is like that is what we're talking about we're talking about like legendary kind of stuff mm-hmm. of that I, I I don't know. I keep talking, but you understand what I'm trying to say, right? I do want to try and understand what you're trying to say. So he, is he good or not? I don't know. That is what I'm trying to find out. And if we it, will get into it. We have it okay. down here in some of our notes here. Um, lest, lest you forget, he did beat out uh, 
um, Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, actually they beat out, took over for those two. Do you remember the fourth quarterback that uh, that played for them last year? It would not have been Darnold because he would, nope. would have been on the Panthers. Nope. Who would this be the fourth quarterback? Former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback from the from the bad years before Jameis, before Tom Brady. What? He played. He played in two games for him. He had one completion and two attempts. Who play? Who was a quarterback for the Buccaneers that was not Jameis Winston? Not Tom Brady. It's not Josh Freeman. Josh Freeman's been out of the NFL for a very long time. You're very close. Are you kidding? I don't know. I, I don't know. Jo- Josh Johnson. Oh, yeah. That guy, he's gotten, like, jobs for, like, 20 years. Yeah, he's, like, 37 this year. I love that you picked out Tampa Bay Buccaneer. I believe he's played for 15 teams. Um, <laughs> nine. <laughs> Okay. Well, no, 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 no. Nine officially practice squad. Like, no. Oh, yeah, it's up there for sure. He had a few different teams. He had two different numbers for uh, the Baltimore Ravens and the and the Niners. So he, it's uh, seven teams. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, a very very impressive resume from for Josh Johnson. Yes. So as we talk about if Brock Purdy is good or not, I think. (laughs) It's best to end with him, frankly. And end with him is going to be not literally the end of the podcast, but it's going to be a bit before we talk about him again. Because... We're going to end him? Is that what, is that what you're declaring? Uh, Devontae Wyatt said as much today. So I was just... Okay, that was... We'll hold it for... We'll we hold it for a bit once we talk yeah. about Brock Purdy. I, I had just discovered this before we recorded. And Correct. I wanted, because... Wanted because the star of this Niners offense is without a doubt Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, uh, former Carolina Panther, Panther, traded to the uh, San Francisco 49ers for a song uh, last year. This year leads the NFL in touches, rushing yards with 15 or 1459, receiving TDs with 21 all-purpose yards at over 2,000. And leads the league in PFF's explosive runs of 10 yards or more. And he did it 44 times. Um, Green Bay as a team has allowed 10 or more yards on a rush 47 times during the season. So I think before <clears throat> excuse me, we get into like some more of the stats with Christian McCaffrey, I think it's just blatantly obvious that this is an unstoppable force meets a movable object because the Packers run defense hasn't been good all year. Like it has, it's been mid twenties, I think pretty much all year long. And we have made the point multiple times this year about how some of these good Packers performances on defense are got against the rush on defense have come against lackluster running backs, right? The Alexander Mastins of the world, the Ty Chandlers of the world. Um, even like the, uh, pair of Bears running backs, Clear Herbert and Roshan Johnson. We talked about how these matchups weren't coming against premier running backs like Christian McCaffrey. And now here we sit, the divisional round of the, uh, of the playoffs. The Packers needing to figure out an answer for Christian McCaffrey in order to have a chance to win this game. Because, man alive, he is one of the most dynamic running backs when he's healthy, and that was part of the reason why I think the Panthers traded him was because he had such a, a long, I shouldn't say long, but a 
pretty brief but extended injury history in Carolina. He had like an ACL tear for sure, and then a bunch of lingering inju- injuries for about a year and a half that like kept him out of the lineup pretty consistently for for half of a season. Um, I think over two seasons, if that makes sense. So. Yeah. Panthers cut ties and just loaded up the Niners with one of the best running backs in the NFL. Um, and proceeded to use some of the picks that they got from that in the, you know, debacle for the first overall pick, too. So the chain continues for yeah, that. Yeah, that certainly worked out. <laughs> I think that's probably why the reason um, that fellow got fired down in, yeah, down in Charlotte. Peter. Yep. He sounds like a... Uh, What's the word? I, I can't. Why, my brain is not working. The little things of fried dough in the South. A, uh, the other name for hush puppies is what I'm trying oh, to think of. A corn oh, fritter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A corn fritter. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's actually the name of his son. Corn fitterer. Corn fitterer. <laughs> um, per next gen stats, Christian McCaffrey led the league in rushing yards before contact. 510. And after contact at 916. That is insane. It's insane. It's insane. It's it, it's sorry. The first player to do so since they began tracking that in 2016. I think that speaks a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to their to one how dynamic Christian McCaffrey is, but also how good their their line is at making holes for him. Because if you're making big holes for guys to run through, that's the longer they are able to go without being touched by a lineman or a linebacker. Like yeah. they, they're just a good team running the ball. If it, it's, it's just, it's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. I, I'm terrified of Christian McCaffrey and that's all there is to say about it. Yeah. I'm um, again, I, I think Lamar kind of sensed obviously the court of public opinion that he's MVP. I, kind of leave McCaffrey. I just thought one, he had this incredible impressive uh, touchdown streak. I only know this because I have him I had him in fantasy. So <laughs> all the time. But um, I just thought the the team changed. It, it's a residual or like a, um, a residual from when they made the move last year is that the 49ers firepower, everything changed the moment that they got him. And that is, it's intertwined when they eventually turned to Brock Purdy because of injuries and all that stuff. But I, I really think the, what the endless capabilities that this 49ers offense can do got to the position that it is right now because they made that move for Christian McCaffrey. I didn't see the downside with him specifically, I thought it was the for all the quarterback questions that they had at the time, it made the most sense of insulating a quarterback with someone like McCaffrey, who, you know, has been able to stay healthy ever since going to San Francisco and had just shows that he's he he's like he could do everything. Like he can do Normal running back stuff. Obviously, we talked about the fact that he is small, but he can get as many yards, or like he could still be a successful run before he gets hit, uh contact. 
and after. And then the importance that he shows in the receiving game. Like he can like if you go through his game logs, he did not have like a lot of a hundred yard rushing games this year. But you didn't think about that because you just think of him as a total player. I don't think of him as a running back. I think of him as a total player. That is kind of what the 49ers are trying to build in in totality, just to use the word total again. But um, that's why, like, again, I just think he was kind of gunning for the MVP for, in my mind, just because this is the best offense in the league. Christopher McCaffrey is the top reason why it is it's it and for me it's that simple so long story short when you think of the the 2019 uh nfc championship game which is played in 2020 i always get confused by that when they when the packers let up um 285 rushing yards to the 49ers and 220 of those is going to Raheem Mostert, who at the time was just like a guy that they found out the street. Like he was not the Raheem Mostert who tied Christian McCaffrey for total touchdowns this year. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, if you can do that with anybody, like what happens if the 49ers have a like a, a Christian McCaffrey? And now they do. Like he's like a superhuman running back wide receiver, jack of all trades, that he poses such a problem that you key in on him and then you realize oh we have three other like prime skill position players that we have to uh account for in our defensive scheme and everything like that so yeah i i am definitely afraid of what christian mccaffrey can do to the subpar run defense yeah he's without a doubt just one of the most elite football offensive football players in the league you had mentioned Mm -hmm. him not really having uh not really having a whole lot of games over 100 yards this year he started the year pretty good he had like a a middle stretch of the year where he wasn't really doing a whole lot um particularly during that three game losing streak that they had he had rushing yards of games of 43 45 and 54 but to start the year he went 152 116 85 106 had the had the the uh slump in the running game and then ended the year with 114, 93, 145, 115, and 103. And that's to go with uh, multiple other games where he had at least uh, 40 yards in the in the receiving game. Like, he's just a dynamic two-way back. Or, I guess, two-way is not the right word. But a threat, I, yeah. a threat out of the backfield and able to just run the ball up the gut outside. However he's a running right res- he's a running wide receiver he's a wide back like he he creates a position all to himself that's he, that is what he is he's aaron jones on steroids if you haven't been able to yes, watch that is it i wanted to say that but i was like it, does that sound like a homer thing but it yeah, that is it is that it, is what he is that's what that's what he is he's just a very useful part of the um of their offense because of the the weapons he brings and the, because of the abilities and skills he brings out of the backfield. So to make, to, to bring it back to how the Niners can capitalize this is if, if they, if they get Christian McCaffrey going against this run defense, there's going to be not a lot of stopping that. And part of that yep. is because if Christian McCaffrey is going, uh, Brock Purdy is able to just eat them alive in the play action. The, uh, and just pick apart secondaries throughout the entirety of the uh, the season, but particularly this week, if 
Jair is out, it's going to be tough with the secondary having to deal with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, uh, George Kittle, obviously Christian McCaffrey, but even Juwan Jennings. Like, he's yes. he's good too. He's had a, a few games this year. I, now I'm second-guessing myself. Is it Juwan Jennings? Is that his first name? No, you're right. You're right. Okay. I was like, I don't know why that, that sounded wrong to me, but yes. He's just having... He had had a good year as well. They just have so many players that they ha- that the secondary has to contend with. You have to have like pretty much five or six guys in the secondary who can cover any of these guys because Kittle is one of the better one blocking tight ends, but he's, he's just as good uh, catching the ball when he's schemed open like that. I had him in fantasy a couple of different years, and what's frustrating about this? Uh, Four Niners offense from a strictly fantasy perspective. From a football perspective, it's gorgeous. But yeah. besides McCaffrey, the wide receiver or the, I guess the pass catching weapons that they have almost take turns as to like whose week it is to go off. Because sometimes George Kittle will have like three, four catches for like forty yards. That's really it. Other weeks he's got ten catches for two fifty or for one hundred fifty yards and a touchdown. Like they really. Kyle Shanahan and that offensive coordinator, I forget his name, is are just really good at um, being Where's a... Kubiak, I think it might be. Um, it is... I don't know why I can't find it. I'm looking right at... Yeah, you're right. It is Clint Kubiak. Uh, Clint Kubiak. They have a uh, Chris Forrester as their offensive line and run game coordinator as well. Um, but obviously the play calling is done by Kyle Shanahan just like it is for, for Matt LaFleur coming from the same tree. Yeah. But... They just have so many weapons that it's, and again, this is the homework part of it. It's the Packers offense on steroids. They have all of these dynamic weapons that they're able to use. They're switching out who's getting, who's having good weeks as the hot hand goes. For the middle part of the Packers season, it was Jaden Reed, and then it turned into Dontavian Wicks. They're turning to Bo Melton, Tucker Craft for a game, Luke Musgrave earlier in the season. Now, Romeo Dobbs against the Cowboys, like the same way that we watch the Packers is the same way the San Francisco 49ers operate their offense. It could be any guy, any week, which is what makes this so scary with the combination of Christian McCaffrey on the backfield. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking about it, you know, as we're doing prep for the pod and everything like that. And it's, it, this is not a revelation by any means, especially when you consider the many years that go back to Lafleur and Kyle Shanahan working together. But the Packers offense and what they hit, like the blueprint is shooting for that 49ers template. Like Jaden Reed is the Debo Samuel. Christian Watson may or may not be Brandon Ayuk. I don't think he is going to be. I don't think he is. Um, but like you think of the tight ends that the, the Packers drafted, like, that is, they're trying to to make their George Kittle out of either Luke Musgrave or Tucker Craft, or combine them both, and then you have a double powered you know tight end truck that runs through everybody. Um, so yeah, like I was just thinking about like how you know how the Packers get there, and that is a multi year question. That's not something that happens overnight, clearly. But from where we are are at right now and the fact that this offense has really, I mean, it's obviously progressed to the point where they're winning a playoff game 
with such a, a young supporting cast minus Aaron Jones, but Aaron Jones is also, you can't just discount him, especially given what he's done over the last four weeks. So yeah, that, that's where I'm like, they're very far away from that in terms of like this overwhelming machine that the, the 49ers have, have built. And really like, if you think about it, like it is almost homegrown talent outside of McCaffrey. Like Brandon Ayuk was oh, a first absolutely. round pick. Debo Samuel was a second round pick, but everybody felt like that's a first round talent. Give him a shot. He came from Ole Miss. I think same year that, DK Metcalf was drafted too. I'm pretty sure Debo was like three picks after Amari. Or Jordan Love, one of the two. I forget which year it was. Now I gotta look it up because Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we have to look it up. I wanted to say that was the Sean Gary draft. I think that was the year before the twenty nineteen. So that was before Jordan Love's draft. He was Which Packers player did they select over or Three picks away from whatever pick that it was. Um, it was Savage was the f- late second round pick. Um, they picked. They didn't really have a pick near Debo. I don't know why I thought it was Debo. Okay, but they picked uh, Elton Jenkins ten picks later. Hey, worked out. Don't blame him. Yeah, they picked Rashawn <laughs> Gary and um, Savage, Savage. in 2019. Gotcha. Anyway, my my point is, I I think. It, it it's very interesting to see you kind of hold up the mirror and you look at where these two teams are and you know god if we can if the packers this era or whatever you want to call it that develops something near to the 49ers death star kind of thing stuff right oh oh boy oh brother oh. i'm about to be insufferable on a Packers podcast. <laughs> that's right but going um sort of putting the context into how good these pass catchers are. Um, we talked about how versatile they are. Like Kittle is a threat to linebackers because he's just so big in coverage. And like, that's probably who will be covering him most of the time. It's not going to be savage. I'd bet at the line doing press man, but um, Brandon, you great. Have to be... I think it has to be. Do I think Joe Barry's going to do it? I don't think so. Like Joe Barry, if you, have a bag you got to get everything out of it yeah you got to dump like, it out I'm not, I'm not lying like this oh, is no. a kitchen sink game yeah yeah absolutely and uh, if you just try stuff i will be more like appreciative of that than go back into your zone coverage shell yeah and have the 49ers run all through you because i like, i don't i <laughs> I'm just envisioning like envisioning these scenarios where you just see like <laughs> someone go down the seam and you see Darnell Savage look at Jonathan Owens like, hey, you were supposed to be here. You yep. were supposed to be here. And then it's like that is the kind of stuff that like I mean drives me insane. Yes. It doesn't scare me because I you know, we kinda expect it at this point. It's mm-hmm. when it's when things go well that we're like, Hey. Yeah. Yeah, you know I mean, like it, it the belief is not there even after last week. So correct. Uh, yeah. Continue with the point. Um, talking about the, uh, the absolute threats they have um, on offense. That is the 49ers. The Brandon Ayuk ranks third in yards per route run this season at three yards per route. Um, and then he did so while averaging uh, 14 yards on uh, his average depth of target. It's he's a big, deep threat guy, big, deep threat guy. 
Um, Kittle has averaged almost 10 yards, 9.9 on an average up the target. Second highest amongst TDs. I'd imagine that Hawkinson is um, up, uh, just ahead of him. That was my, my betting it guess. It was not. The Kelsey. Do you want to no. Do you want to guess? The... Oh. oh, hold on. Average depth of target? Yes. Yeah. Is it Musgrave? Nope. Oh, then I don't know. I'm not going to play the guessing game. Kyle Pitts. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I was shocked when I saw that. Yeah. Um, Debo was 7.3 average uh, depth target for the season. So, like, they throw the ball down the field. And... It, it, it's just going to be a test for this secondary. I think that's going to be a, a big a big sticking point for this game is can they hold up? If Jair plays, can they hold up? Are they going to do press man, kind of how they played against Dallas on Sunday? Like they mixed in zone and they mixed in man, but it was a lot of man. And I think like the way Jair was covering on Sunday was very good, particularly how he got his interception and how they were covering CD. Like they, they did a fairly good job, but I think they have to do a very similar job against this um against this offense who is just more talented in general. Like it, it, that just flat out plain and simple. Yeah, it, it's hard enough to envision how they guard or cover Ayuk. He's really come on as like that is the top guy in terms of like wide receiver. D again, like Debo's just he creates a position unto himself where I don't think of him as a traditional wide receiver, even though he does traditional wide receiver things. It's that he can thrive on the behind the limits or behind the limits, behind the line of scrimmage kind of throws screens. Obviously he's being used as like a running back in times, even if he doesn't necessarily like that role, mm-hmm. but it's stuff like that, that like they have it like, you think of it as like a house. They have like the first level, second level, third level. And then like, I mean, obviously McCaffrey just kind of does anything. George Kittle, <laughs> George Kittle too. Like I, I, it's insane. I, I feel like I'm every point that I'm trying to make eventually goes to like a team should not have this many weapons. Have. Yeah. They're, I think like this is where, even though the cap doesn't exist, for them this is like one of their last chances. They have to extend. Oh. They have to extend Debo soon. They'll have to extend. Um, Ayuk, what's his name? Think... Ayuk soon. Like Debo's this yeah. year because it was the same year as Rashawn. Um, no, he already signed. Because there was a big thing. There was a big thing last summer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because he it... he didn't want to be in the run, in the vacuum as much. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. No, yes. I, I am right there with you. Like, if they do not get this done, like they, they have the field set. They are either play. They're they're obviously the one seed. So every home game, and then if you make the Super Bowl, you're playing in a dome. Yeah, you know I mean, like they are playing perfect conditions. Yeah, close to at least close to. You're playing at home. For divisional round, and if you beat the Packers, you're play you're hosting the Lions for championship game. They That's... really have. You're putting the Lions there already. I am. Buccaneers are rolling, be... dude. I. I also want the Lions there. I do too. I'm just I... saying you were very matter of fact about it. I was. It's not. To... I... 
whatever happens over there. In Don't let Detroit. Malcolm and Tyler hear about this. They'll be very mad at you. They probably will. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I think the Buccaneers winning and advancing to play the Lions is as much about the Eagles just being being bad, God awful. Yeah, God, no, awful. that makes anyway, sense. Anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is. If they screw it up this year, like to even get to the Super Bowl, I don't want to hear anything more about nope. this. Nope. Especially when we get to the Purd Van. Right. Purdy Purdy Happily. Purdy Happily. Um so continuing with how the Niners this is the last point for the Niners and like their their keys to victory kind of thing. Um they have to get to Jordan Love. If they want to uh if they want to stop this offense, Jordan Love has been good under pressure this season, but um, after allowing just eight pressures against the Cowboys in their wild card win, um, they'll be going against Nick Bosa, who is an entirely different animal. Like Micah Parsons is good in his own right, but he's more of a finesse edge rusher versus Nick Bosa is a finesse and pure Herculean muscle edge rusher. Yeah. Um, he Nick Bosa totaled the th- uh, third most pressures in the NFL this season, ninety-five, and like I just mentioned, just versatile all across the board, getting home. Um, 49ers did target or made the trade deadline move for Chase Young. I, I thought I got Chase Young and Montez Sweat mixed up because they uh, came yeah, from yeah. the same team, <laughs> yep. which was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, and, I got the commanders the second round or second overall pick. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. Still not the first, but that was going to happen anyways. Um, yeah. he's been um okay. He has thirty eight pressures, six sacks in seven games uh, with the Commanders, and then since um the he yeah, traded to the Niners, twenty eight pressures, four sacks in nine games. So say what you will, he's definitely a threat. He was a former second or third round or uh, overall pick, I believe. I don't think he went one one. I think I, I think it was top five because there's one he was a... definitely top. He's definitely top five. He was second in yeah. the Jordan Love draft. Yeah, because um, they drafted. Joe Burrow went first. Yep, I was going to say, because I knew that was, like, there's been a lot of quarterbacks won lately. Like, I, I can't remember the last time there wasn't a quarterback won. Um, That's one a good overall. question. Yeah, it, it's, it's been a while. Been a while. Um, The biggest difference between the Cowboys and the Niners is uh, the pressure that the inside D linemen get for, for the Niners. I mentioned earlier in the podcast that Eric Armstead is, is expected back. But then um, Javon Hargrave, former Philadelphia Eagle. Um, yes. That's Discord. That was going to say, that's really the only reason I know that is reading that that message to Discord every two weeks. Um, um, also, not to be uh, politifact right now, the 2022 NFL draft did not have a quarterback get taken number one. Can you name the player? God, why is this so hard? Oh, it was uh, the lion. Were the lion? Was it what, no? Lions are second. That's when they took Aiden Hutchinson. Right. Oh, who was first? Give me the team. I, Jaguars. Yeah, that's the face that I was looking for. What? Trayvon Walker. I the, the first quarterback taken in this draft did not get taken till the twentieth pick. Can you name him? Twenty two. 
22. What a, what a, what, no, the, the draft year. What was the? What 22. Was, oh, okay. 2022. 22nd pick of 2022 draft. No, 20th pick in the 2022 draft. Got it. Um, Had to have been a wild card or a close to a wild card team, so they weren't bad. I don't know. I Yeah, I can't even think. No, who was it? This sounds like Mike Tomlin's music. Oh, ew, it was Kenny Pickett. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Pickett. Kenny oh. kick it. Can, can I kick it? Kenny um, kick it, yeah. Um. But as I was talking about, Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead, both amongst the highest uh, graded inside D lemon, according to PFF, um, with top six on their pass rush. Um, but as a, as we had mentioned throughout the season, uh, Love has gotten more poised under pressure and can withstand blitzes. Um, but if I think this is the this, this is the big part of it, can Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., and Elton Jenkins really stop those interior defensive linemen? And I would imagine you're going to see Nick Bosa all over the line, not just on the edge going against Zach Tom and Rasheed Walker. Like they'll, they'll use them just like Michael Parsons um, is used. And just like, uh, what's his name? Miles Garrett, Max Crosby and uh, Miles Garrett in Cleveland. Yeah. So it's, it's just going to Tucker craft too. Like these are, these are the games where you need extra blockers, blitz pickups from the running back. Um, whether it's Patrick Taylor, Aaron Jones, or Emmanuel Wilson, like it's gonna take a lot of people to defend this mm-hmm. uh, 49ers front line. Yeah, and I think this is this is a good set we ought to talk about. Um, All Pro linebacker Fred Warner is one of the best uh, off ball linebackers in the NFL. Um, per next gen sacks, no team has allowed fewer completions uh, at six twenty six and yards per attempt at seven point two. Um, to the middle third of the field than the 49ers since he was drafted in 2018. That's crazy. Like, we talk about, and I've talked about at length, how over the middle is the Packers' bread and butter. That's going to be mm-hmm. hard to get this this game if Fred Warner's patrolling that, that middle third of the field. Absolutely. So if, if if Jordan Love can beat that, or if, like, if, if that's, if they can find success over the middle and neutralize Fred Warner in that passing game, I think that's a... If unless you have anything else, you probably have some things to say about pressuring Jordan Love. So I'll, I'll wait for this transition. But yeah, I was you can kind of see where I was going with it. <laughs> well, no, I, I the thing is like we haven't even talked much about San Francisco's secondary because their front seven is just such a problem. Like if they get home or force them out of the pocket to make bad throws, they contain Aaron Jones like that is a wrap like it doesn't matter what happens beyond that 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 is how <laughs> big you know and the, the cliche is that you know all games are won at the line of scrimmage and it's always about the offensive line and defensive line how they perform against one another winning those battles getting in the trenches all that you know fun cliche stuff but in this case it's so true because the 49ers have built themselves like I, their defense is not what they how we think of the 49ers historically, especially in this run that they've had. Like they kind of had a rough patch. People have been injured. Um, you know, the, the talent is there. We think of the Boses, we think of um Fred Warner, we think of you know the top line talent, but they also like 
look at what they did trade deadline wise. They go after Chase Young, they get him, trying to get more pressures, trying to get more help on the edge. Believe if I remember correctly, like following that crazy trade li- or trade deadline day, they were trying to make a play for a cornerback. They originally the rumor was that they wanted to go after Jalen Johnson. I don't know how they were going to do that with the the pick capital that they have, but Jalen Johnson is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. The Bears said, uh, "No, we're not going to do that," and they had tried to make you know fortify out their their defense. So clearly, you know, as much as injuries have uh, been a factor for them, they have identified that as like we need to shore up that end of the uh, end of the field to kind of get where we want to be and you know i i don't blame them for their due diligence or they're wanting to get better but it does show you that like that has been more of the worrying sign at times in a very good year for them and compared to what they have offensively yeah the defense that is the biggest question mark especially with when you're going against an offense that has a rolling so with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, it's it's a scary team, dude. They're a scary team. Very, very scary. They might have like the thing like to, to this point, they might have like, I don't know, six all pros players. Yeah. yeah. Like it's it's that crazy how how good they are. That's right. But now it's time to talk about the ways the Packers can win this game because there are avenues to get. What is your confidence level right now? My confidence level right now is both irrational and irrational because I know those are two different things. They are two different things. That Yes, they, that is very true. My irrational <laughs> confidence out of 10, out of scale 1 to 10, is probably a 6. Like, like that's how irrational. Oh, I know, because like, in the similar vein of how it, what it took to beat the Cowboys, they needed a very similar game, like perfect execution, no mistakes, any of that stuff, and that's kind of like what it takes. I don't think you're gonna see mistakes from the Niners like you saw from Dak. You're not gonna see mistakes. You saw on the defensive side, like you saw from uh, Dan Quinn and the Cowboys. I just don't think you're going to do. My yeah. my rational confidence is at like a four. I'll change my rational to a seven because I think there is a better than a 30% chance to win this game. 
but yeah, it's like 35. Like six and a half, seven is where I'm at. I'm very, I'm very, okay. I think, I think they have the capabilities to make this competitive as my dog works. Um, I think they have the capabilities of making this game competitive. I just worry, like, can they outlast the barrage that the 49ers could certainly unleash on them? I don't know. So that's where my rational confidence, I, <laughs> I just sound like a proud parent that's like, just, I want to see a good game. You know, that, you know what I mean? And especially, again, the last two playoff games that they played against the 49ers, they were clearly outmatched in every single way that first year. Like, I was shocked that they made the championship game that year, but it was still not a good feeling to see them go down that way. And then doubly so when you're the one seed and the 49ers with, I think they were nine and eight. Like they barely got in the playoffs and then they yeah. eventually go to the championship game against the Rams. You know, like th- that, it, it, I don't want to feel that feeling. Either one. I want to get that feeling away from this 49ers playoff game this time around. I agree. I agree. But we need to get into why the Packers can win this game. We absolutely do. Because we spent an hour talking about the Niners. We have to talk about the Packers for a good bit while here because we are a Packers podcast. Um, Getting to Brock Purdy is going to be the biggest thing. Getting him flustered will be one of the the biggest keys to victory for them. Because if you take away their play-action pass and you focus them to becoming simply a running offense, I think that's where success could happen uh, for the Packers. The problem is is that when pressured, uh, Brock Purdy has been very good um, this season. Uh, Per per PFF, Brock Purdy um, is the highest-graded QB on play-action plays uh, at a uh, 95.5. Uh, 115 dropbacks. He completed 80% of his passes, which is insane. Um, threw for 1,100 yards, uh, 12 TDs, and two picks and six sacks, which is all like all under play action. And yes, he had a the highest pass rating at 143.2 in those throws um, as his this first year starting his first full year coming off that surgery. Um, but I guess. Contrary to my point, just now I could have... I guess I think I got play action and under pressure mixed up because there's been a lot of talk about that for both Jordan Love and Brock Purdy. But the stats t- call me a liar. Uh, Purdy is a much different quarterback under pressure. Uh, 55.8% of his passes were complete under pressure, threw for 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns, 6 INTs, and 27 of the 28 sacks that Purdy suffered this year were a result of facing pressures of 5 men or more. Jordan, can you tell me what we've seen a whole lot more of from Joe Barry the last three weeks of the season? You cut out. Five. <laughs> Sorry. Pressure. <laughs> Five-man five man rushes, blitzes, whatever you want to call it. All of it. Even despite being shorthanded in the secondary where you can get some of those six-man rushes with corner blitzes. They haven't been yeah. doing a whole lot of those, but they've been rushing five and six a lot more. So maybe that's a big key for them to to start getting home. Uh, the Packers right, or I'm sorry, the 49ers right side of their line uh, is quote unquote suspect as Jordan had uh, in the notes. It could be uh, could be feast 
available for feasting for the likes of Devontae Wyatt and Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. I think it would be Rashawn, I mean, Preston goes off the right-hand side, mm-hmm. I think. My, I forget. I, I know, because it's flipped it's based flipped. on how you watched it. I know, so. or what quarter it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, but anyways, uh, right tackle Colton McKivitz has allowed 47 pressures this season and nine sacks, tied for fourth most. Uh, he was responsible for uh, half of the sacks the, uh, the uh, Fortnite have led up this season, which is pretty bad. So, I mean, hey, we said it last week. We'll say it again. If the Packers want to pressure the quarterback and get home, this is this is a great time to really lock in and do it. Devontae Wyatt, I saw. I, I should find this this tweet. I saw it today. The graph. I, yep, I tweeted it from the, uh, the Talk of the Tundra account, which is at Packers GSPN. If you want to go check it out there and give that a follow, I'd obviously appreciate it. Um, but this is a chart for the top 50 defensive tackles, and it's pass rush grade versus pressures per pass rush snap for this regular season. And the uh, x-axis is pressures per pass, pass rush snap. That is a mouthful. And then the, um, I'm sorry, the, that's the y-axis, and the x-axis is pass rush grade. So... Top right is going to be your quadrant of wow, if you're a basketball listener. Um, and up there with Devontae Wyatt, who is just over 0.14 pressures per pass rush, um, is Quinnen Williams, Aaron Donald, Dexter Lawrence, and Chris Jones. No one else is really close to that grouping. And it looks like Devontae's pass rush grade is a hair under 80. Um, he's the furthest furthest left out of this group with Dexter Lawrence being closer to 95. The point being is that this is sophomore year Devontae Wyatt. If he can keep playing at this level in the likes of Aaron Donald, in the likes of Quinn Williams, in the likes of Dexter Lawrence and Chris Jones, like those are all pro level guys. This is keep playing like this Devontae Wyatt and just get home a couple times and you're going to be doing just fine this week. Like this is a good week for the Devontae White breakout game. It it's bubbling, Jordan. He's he's beating double teams. I saw a couple clips of him from the Cowboys game causing some havoc. Like he's a problem. He's a problem. He is a problem. He has had a good year. It has not been I think the trading camp hype really kind of that was where all the attention was going for the defense. So when it doesn't meet the consistency that we want to see all the time that it's like ah okay whatever but i i i mean we could see it as soon as this week of what he could really do and that is very exciting oh it's really exciting like you guys know i'm a Devonte wyatt stan i want to see him succeed as much as anybody so uh i think kenny clark is available to have a good game too like get your hands up big man swat some passes down like I, like I would be excited to see Carl Brooks and Kobe Wooden get involved as well. I'm just excited for a, a good game from the front four or front three, and then the edge rushers because it's going to be available for the taking for them if they, if they want to impact it. If they want to fill holes in the run game too, go for it. Absolutely, go yeah. for it. So, anything else on uh, pressuring Brock Purdy because. 
if he's pressured, he can't get the ball to those receivers on time. Where this will find out if he's if he's the guy, if he's him, if he's him, if he's Timothy Purdy, Timothy Purdy. Um, yeah, I, I I think he is a very good quarterback. I think he honestly could slice this Packers defense of two too, in part because of who he's throwing to. But I, if things do not go, if the game script, as they say, does not go to the way of the 49ers would like, and they have to kind of rely on Brock Purdy to kind of get them out of it. Mm-hmm. I will be very interested to see how he responds. I don't think, I don't doubt him, but I, again, when you have everything that you can want that you're throwing to, you know, that it's, I'm not, I don't think anybody could do what he's doing. But it, it, I don't under I understand why there are skeptics to be like, you know, yeah, there it is, there it is, like the the finger pointing kind of thing. Right. No, I totally get that. Like, it's not dismissive, but it's like, hey, could he do this with lesser weapons, kind of thing? Yes. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth, the weekend forecast for this for uh for Saturday is fifty eight and a 50% chance of rain on Saturday. So getting home, putting pressure on Purdy in a wet, in a wet game, potentially in a wet Levi's stadium. That's a wet gene right there. It's a wet denim, wet denim. Oh, remember when the, I think it was the owner of rain. I think it was Levi's. The owner of Levi's said, just don't wash your jeans ever. <laughs> this is, this is what he's talking about. Games like this, get them covered in dirt and mud. And just let them reek forever <laughs> i did not know that you're not supposed to wash your jeans i guess that I, i'll look it up but it's according um, to mr levi um yeah it was something like that but no the point being that uh for if you can get home if you can make his life hell essentially in a inclement weather game simple enough easy said and done yeah. so I think that'll be a, a big thing. Yeah. Next up for the Packers keys victory. Uh, offense has to be there when it comes to uh, their firepower. Um, David Lombardi wrote a fantastic article. Uh, fantastic. Uh, this week for the athletic talking about um, Brock Purdy and Jordan love highlighting the, the matchup. Um, both offenses have, have been on an absolute tear since week nine. Um, and, Raid or I guess ranked in expected points added per play. One is the 49ers at 0.216, which I know doesn't sound a lot, but just how the nature of this stat goes. Second is the Packers at 0.164. Notably third was the Cowboys at 0.157, who they had just put the smackdown on. So the Packers offense has been elite since week nine. Being able to maintain that momentum into this game is going to pretty much dictate how this game goes for them. I think pretty simply, I know that's some pretty base level analysis, but if they, they can't be playing like they did in the middle of the season before week nine, that is that it's just not an option. They have to maintain this momentum and Jordan Love has to keep playing like he's been playing pretty much the, uh, the entire second half of the season. It, it is very interesting to me because 
if there is a team that would probably know the most of how the Packers want to play, how they set up formations, how they pre-snap motion, all the fun little gadgety stuff that Matt LaFleur has done, it's the 49ers. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So what? how does that – yo, it, it's one thing to see it in practice all the time and you know how the defense is going to get set up and that's how you – can kind of trust it but when another team does what you do similarly if not like i'm not saying they do the packers and 49ers are the same team schematically or anything like that i think there are a lot of differences actually but there is the template there's the blueprint of where you go yeah and then you work out the individual things that you know fit your personnel i think there was a lot of interesting talk from Adam Senefich. I can bring up the tweet. Yeah, this um, was a, a very interesting quote to come from him, comparing last year's offense with, with Aaron Rodgers versus this year's offense with Jordan Love. I think as fans, we were a bit surprised at the sort of candid response that Senefich gave, but I, I know you and I both really enjoyed his candor talking about it. Um, from Ryan Wood, uh Journal Sentinel, Green Bay uh, Press Gazette, you know, all that stuff. Um, Adam Stenovich on differences of having quarterback Jordan Love, who runs the offense as called, compared to a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who regularly went off script based on defense's pre-snap look. This is a long quote, so buckle up. There is definitely a value to that because half the time when you get done with a drive, sometimes in past years, you just be trying to figure out what play was called. So now what we so now we know what was supposed to happen. But with Aaron, he would see stuff and make checks and all that that you didn't know exactly what was happening at the time. But with this, yeah, we're all kind of on the same page and going. Not to say that that wasn't good because we had great results with it. But this is nice because at least you can kind of build up, build on the offense around it, build plays off of plays as the game progressed. Hey, we did this. Now we're going to do this. Now we're going to do this. I think our communication on the sideline has been better just from the from that aspect of being able to um, see as the game progresses and have plays off of plays and things like that. So that has been – so, yeah, that has been a huge advantage this year. Basically saying stick to the script. More or less. More and or less. I think – But they, I do think there is value – like, statistically, I think there is value to that – we even when things were at its worst, we heard so much about being able to make to make correct those mistakes, overcorrections, diagnosing the problems at halftime or certain spots in the game. The more you see those reps, the more comfortable that you get, and then that's how the Packers would be able to get back into games and agonizingly lose to the Raiders, the Broncos, or whatever. Yeah. But when you start picking up on those things instantly and mm-hmm. piling them all together. That's how they've been, you know, one of the best second half teams of all the entire year. Mm-hmm. And then start marrying that with, Hey, let's, let's be a little bit more aggressive. Those big shot plays that we saw in the, in the lions game or whatever game that you want to say that refer to as like successful. That's where things have been kind of, the synergy between all that stuff has kind of obviously borne fruit over the last couple of weeks. Right. Exactly. And like going back to San Francisco quote, 
it it makes it hard on a on on an offensive coordinator when you have a player like Aaron Rodgers who is switching up the look at the line. You don't know what's working, what's not working. Versus, did they run the play call or did they run something different that had the wrong personnel out there, but was determined by Rodgers based on his pre-snap look at the defenses, um, the defenses uh, look, I guess, like what they were offering yeah. in, in their coverage. What I think is the biggest thing, and what I think I'm most excited for this game is truly a Matt LaFleur offense against this Niners defense because like you had said you're building upon plays and plays and plays to be able to to hit big plays and to take chances where they're they're the most I guess the highest chance of, of being successful and with that I think the league evolved to really understand Rodgers's QB play and how he operates in offense that's why he was so good earlier on in his career, and then his playoff performances were quite lackluster later on in his career. Smart defenses were offering him pre-snap looks that he really wanted to feast on, and they would switch coverage as the ball was snapped into something that was totally different than what he the had Ed Reed for. special. Exactly. You and know what I'm referring to? I know he's like famous for doing that. I don't know what the... He specifically would, for Peyton Manning... He would put wrong coverages on tape so that when they would play him, Ed Reed would <laughs> like just feast on Payman thinking that he's, oh, this is where we can get him. These are the weak spots. And then Ed Reed being Ed Reed, a Hall of Famer. Ball hawk. Just, yeah, he just picked him off like relentlessly. <laughs> right. And I, I just think that's how the NFL evolved into playing really elite quarterbacks like Rodgers who do that often. I think any quarterback that was really good at changing the play at the line as often as he did. Um, and that's kind of why that success fell off for Rodgers, in my opinion. Now you're going up against a crew of coaches, a crew, a staff of, of coaches that are able to see the defenses that they're lining up in and be able to call a play that will beat that defense that they're showing. And you're not changing the play at the line. You might be calling out a different motion or a different hot route, but it's not changing the entire play. You're not going from a pass to a run quite quickly or a run to a pass every time. Like that's just yeah. not what they're doing. Jordan Love is calling the plays that are being called for him, and he's executing those plays to perfection as of the last uh, nine weeks. Yeah, and it's fun to watch. It's a lot of fun to watch. It's very fun to watch. Um. Uh, I was going to try to uh, pick out a couple more stats from the Save Lombardi article, but I think I'll let you guys go read that for yourself. I, it's not a very long read, but it's a it's, it's a little stat-heavy, but it's honestly a quite easy read. So would recommend going to uh, going to read it because it's it's quite good. It gets into the, the nitty-gritty about, I guess, not into the nitty-gritty, but lays it out in not-so-simple terms why Jordan Love has been so good, why Brock Purdy has been so good, and why this game has potential to be a shootout because as um, I should find this tweet quick, if I can, um, as pointed out by, I'm pretty sure it was Peter Bukowski. The Packers have had a pretty bad run defense all year long, but the 49ers have had a, uh, Oh, the, um, a worse than EPA. Yep. Yeah. On defense. Um, I wish I could find it. Apparently, it's going to be evading me as usual when these kind of kinds of things happen. 
regardless, the 49ers run defense has not been um, up to par for what you think, for what you think, given that they're the one seed in, uh, in, in the NFC. Um, yeah. I did find it, or I think what I had saw. So Peter Bukowski, he says, I thought maybe the poor 49ers run defense numbers were partially a game script thing. They blow out teams. So they play soft the fourth quarter and give up yards. Nope. Win percentage between, uh, win percentage between 20 and 80%. Their EPA uh, per rush is even worse from 26th to 27th, so it's just it's just not good. I think the Packers were. Uh, I just closed that article. I'm pretty sure. Nope, I have it open here. Uh, David Lombardi had the Packers um, run EPA uh, at 15 from weeks nine till now and 25th from weeks one to eight. So a mm. simple medal would be 20 if you're averaging it out. Obviously, that's not how numbers work, but just how those two averages work out. That's how mm-hmm. it, it works out. So who is to say David Lombardi goes into a little bit, how that might be hidden by how good the Packers offensive offense has been. If the offense is out there longer and they're scoring more points, you're not having your defense out there as long for as many plays. It tends to look a little better. So yep. that'll be an important thing to watch, but Hey, if they're that bad on, on the, uh, on the, in the, the in the run game, Maybe this is another Aaron Jones week, which I'd be very happy about. I would be too. I think he's the key. See, I think as we'll get into with some of the things that we found for Aaron Jones, it's interesting to think of the 49ers run defense as bad Mm -hmm. because I'm looking at stuff for Al, you know, relay what I've found. Um, the 49ers have not allowed a 100 rushing yard game to a, a single like running back or anything like that this season. Wow, they've had six games of more than or of allowing more than 100 rushing yards to their opponents, including I believe they let up like 200. Let me bring this up. They let up a 200 and. Uh, 234 uh, rushing yards to the Cardinals in a 45-29 win in week 15. Just a random, just like, <laughs> hey, we're like that is going to happen. We're they're going to run wild over you. Right. But I thought between the fact that, you know, when a game like that happens, you think, oh, James Conner probably had his best performance of the year. No, didn't even go over 100 yards. So, I don't necessarily know what is there. Maybe there's some noise. I mean, it's still sample size heavy, independent, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, too, like part of the, I would part of the thing for me of not looking at the Forty Niners or looking at the Forty Niners defense a different way. D'Amico Ryan's is not the defensive coordinator anymore. He's obviously with Houston. Yep, Steve Wilkes has done as good of a job with, you know, the personnel that he's had, but that doesn't mean that he can't, or that the Packers can't take advantage of that mm-hmm. in some ways. I don't know. But either way, for me, Aaron Jones, obviously thinking about where the Packers are and everything like that. And I think Jordan Love grew and developed and learned things very quickly by not having someone like Aaron Jones healthy because I think 
that would have been like the crutch of, hey, we have we have him available. We're gonna ride him until you know trying to get to a playoff berth or trying to just you know win week after week after week. For Jordan Love to get to the where he is without that kind of safety net made him get there faster than obviously we could have ever envisioned this in one year. Now with Aaron Jones and looking better than he has, you know, in quite some time, really, that has made this Packers team so dangerous. And so mm-hmm. I would hate to see what happens when you lose that. Yeah. Because I think that's when all the gushing and all the praise of where Jordan Love is at right now, that is where, you, you know, the things that, kind of creep in to slow him down or make him not look like as immaculate as he has been over the oh, last yeah. couple weeks specifically. I think that's that's my biggest fear if if Aaron Jones is, is not a non-factor but not certainly not a factor as great as he has been over the last four weeks. Yeah, I think if Aaron Jones is nullified, it takes away their play-action threat a lot. A yes. lot, a lot. And that's a lot of what the Packers' um, offense is predicated on. Like, it's just... We've, I got 19 games into the season or 19 weeks into the season. We kind of yeah. tend to get repetitive about what the Packers key to the victory is, but it's, it, it really is play action focus. Like we saw it a whole lot. I, I wish I had, um, it might be in this David Lombardi article, which I'll just scroll through again, but Jordan Love is good in play action. He just, he just is. He's good under pressure. He's been good in play action since that, since the week nine turnaround. And it's just, if you if the threat of the run game isn't there, how else do you expect to get guys up and downfield when they only need to rush like four to really have yep. consistent pressure and just drop seven into coverage? And so, as as that goes, I think you put it perfectly. Is as Aaron Jones goes, the Packers go, and mm-hmm. if he can just have a decent day, he doesn't need to have a hundred yard three touchdown game like he had on on Sunday, but if he has something where he's just getting consistent yards where they have to respect the threat of Aaron Jones. That's where you can start seeing shots to Christian Watson downfield, maybe, or if he I, hopefully plays a little more than he did on, uh, against Dallas, that would be really nice to be able to stretch the field with him or just trying to get some easy, like out routes, um, with Romeo Dobbs and Dante Van Wicks. Like I would I would imagine because I, I don't want to let's like say over the middle because we just had talked about how Fred Warner is so good over the middle I don't want to test that right away, but I wouldn't even hate like dink and dunking this game to death and just trying to to take what they'll give you down the field like, and then you're like they could easily just muck it up yep and just say like we are going to extend as many drives as we can very similar to the Bears game. Where yes. seven, eight minute drives, and then hopefully your defense can hold up. Um, I, I say that because I was looking at the um, at the uh, 49ers uh, team page on Pro Football Reference. Their opponent stats for their third down um, percentage rate is is forty point nine, and I don't have the exact league average um, available to me. I couldn't find it readily, but for um, the NFL third down. Uh, conversion percentage 40.9 puts them at about 10th or 11th if they were an offense like going for it essentially meaning the 49ers defense is around 21st or 22nd in the nfl um when it comes to third down 
allowing third downs to become first downs is how my brain's gonna have to word it right now. Same yeah. thing on on fourth down. Fourth downs aren't isn't too bad. It goes up to fifty up to fifty percent, which in the NFL is re- is pretty much around middle. Like the Packers, for example, around fifty two. The outlier here is Philadelphia at sixty eight <laughs> with their tush push. Um, but there is one what looks like to be seven teams between um, fifty two and fifty. So that's a about league average. What I think is really interesting is that uh, the San Francisco defense is allowing touchdowns in the red zone at 54.5% of the time. That is uh, pretty good to okay. It's an average. It's their, uh, Green Bay is at 54.5 or 54.4. So, and they're 17th, so league average. But, hey, if the Packers can convert their league average red zone touchdown completion percentage against the league average 49ers uh defensive side i say go for it like yes. that, that that that's a good matchup to play against right and so what what i list all these things for is that they aren't the best at getting off the field on third down they're not the best at getting off the field on fourth down and that's why i say i wouldn't even mind like dink and dunking your way down the field taking easy throws that are available to you because if you can have a successful rush, like you had talked about, like we had talked about either earlier in the pod or pre-pod, it's been an hour and a half. I forget which part of it, where, where the timeline delineated from, but an explosive play being, or I'm sorry, a successful rush being over four yards on a first down. If they can do that and then throw for three, throw for four, that's a first down. Just yep. keep doing that and try to have a, re- a really efficient game. And then take your shots when you can kind of thing, like when they really open up. And I think that would be a, a really good opportunity for the Packers, like you said, to muddy this game up and to really get into the weeds of this defense to say, hey, we know that your front five are going to cause us havoc. Let's get the ball out of Jordan Love's hands fast and let him do what he's going to do. I think there's also um, an argument to let him do what he's been doing the last four weeks, which is taking five, seven, nine-step drops and absolutely dicing up uh secondaries yeah. i don't know that's as available as an option as it has been against the vikings the bears and the cowboys yeah we'll see we'll see it's gonna be it's gonna be tough like i think every everybody needs to show up again like that that's just the way it's going to be and this is the youngest team in the nfl they haven't been playing like it I, I want them to have the confidence that they can beat anybody, which they probably do, I'd imagine. And so they have to come into it and act the same way as they've had all year long thus far. Yeah. Pretty plain and simple. Yeah. Shall we get into uh, players to watch and score predictions? Yes. All righty. I believe it is my turn to go first for players to it watch. Is. Prepod, Jordan had told me that he has a player in mind that he is going to pick for his player to watch and that I wouldn't guess it. He's probably right, but I'm trying to think of it. Think of who he could possibly be thinking of. It's not Fred Warner. It, probably, it might be Fred Warner. But I'll start with my Packer. Um, I think your Packer to watch is Aaron Jones. Like no, it, my it was for the 49ers. I know. Packers. I know. Okay, okay. Yeah, but I'm picking my Packer first. Um, 
my because I, I I'm not I don't know your 49 ers so I'm just gonna let you let you have it. Um, my Packer to watch is Aaron Jones, for the every reason we just had mentioned. Right, he has been the the bellwether for this team for honestly the last his entire career. If he's having a good game, the Packers are having a good game. This game is no different. If they can get him going and make him a threat in the run game as well as the passing game, I think this offense will have it have the opportunity to be able to have its way with the defense, however that may be. Whether it's taking shots downfield like we had saw Jordan Love do against the Cowboys where guys are getting open across the middle at deep routes at 15, 20, 25 yards, or if it's um, on out routes, they're just getting five, seven yards here and there and just really picking apart and being surgical in, in the passing game. All of it stems from Aaron Jones. If Aaron Jones has a slow day, it's going to be a really hard game to, to watch. It's just how it'll be. So my, uh, my Packer is Aaron Jones. I'm going to go sneaky stealth pick here. All right. Rasheed Walker. Um, whether it's Nick Bosa, Chase Young, they're going to look at him between him or Zach Tom as, hey, if we think we can get to love, I mean, he's literally Jordan Love's blindside. If we think we can get to him, we have to get through him. So, as in, we have to get through Walker. Rasheed Walker has really turned it on over the last... I don't know, many few weeks, months. We haven't talked about him as being a problem or someone that's gotten beat very consistently or had the mistakes and miscues that he had when he initially took over for um, David Bakhtiari. And obviously there's been the rotation with Yash Nyman and everything like that, so he hasn't been a full-time starter all the way. But I think he has really obviously won that job. And, you know, of all the very minimal draft coverage that I see of, hey, you know, what's the chances that the Packers maybe take a tackle, specifically a left tackle, depending on where they select him and draft. Um, I think Rasheed Walker is making a very good case to not do that. But a game where he just gets bested by one of the best pass rushers, if not the best pass rusher in the league that might necessitate those kind of questions and choices. So I'm, I'll be very keyed in on how the line obviously performs, but specifically Rasheed Walker. I'm right there with you. I think there was a lot of chatter during the, the dark times of the season, the, the four weeks where the, we had no idea who our quarterback was going to be for the next 15 years where the also where the other part of that conversation was like who would the Packers draft at left tackle at five, or whatever they want to do kind of thing. I think Rashid Walker has really come on well. I wouldn't still hate a tackle in the draft, but that's a conversation for very far away. But yeah. he has shown himself that he can he can hold up against some of the best of them. So not a bad pick, Jordan. All right, who's your mysterious forty nine er that you're so uh, mysterious and I guess quizzical about fred warner i knew it i didn't say it i called it that oh i should have picked him yeah um i think he is one of my favorite players to watch he is i think he's the best like middle linebacker 
Um, he can do everything well. He's as good of a run stopper as he is covering whether it's tight ends, receivers. Had four picks this year that tie for the most. Forget the other two guys, but like so much of what the Packers did really well and seeing a lot of kind of people sharing clips and everything, Cowboys really sold out to take away deep shots that open up the precise area that Jordan Love is really good at and Mm -hmm. where the Packers receivers are really good at. When you have a linebacker like Fred Warner, who is in the middle of that, and can cover as well as a safety from, you know, hash to hash kind of thing that's i don't know i don't know if those plays are gonna be there i i think that is probably the biggest thing that lafleur and stenovich have to kind of figure out is how do you rely on those targets how do you get those guys that are really successful getting into the middle of the field Jaden reed whatever even if it's on short slants you know, not necessarily 10 yard plays like Fred Warner just covers up so much ground. And I, we see him already terrorize the Packers in years past some playoff performances. I would have no, it would not be shocking to see him be the best defensive player in this game, obviously, but he just poses such a problem that for all the attention that Bosa, Chase Young, Jerron Hargrave, Eric Armstead will get. Fred Warner is that dude. And it makes me want to have the Packers have a dude like that. Maybe <laughs> Quay Walker's like that. Um, I won't but... say it's unrealistic, but he is kind of getting there. He doesn't really have the, the coverage uh, acumen that uh, that Fred Warner has, but I think, yeah. he, I think he's capable of getting there. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, Fred Warner is my my pick. With it was not even close. Yeah, as good as many options as there are. Um, mine is another running back. I'm going Chris McCaffrey for uh for the Niners. If they can limit him, they take a big part. Of, they take a big chunk out of that offense, and I think in a similar way that I, I talked about Travis Kelsey and I talked about DJ Moore, you just can't let Chris McCaffrey beat you. That's the most obvious choice for them to have success is to ride Christian McCaffrey and lead them, have him lead them to victory. And so in my opinion, if they can limit McCaffrey to a bad running game and keep him in check in the receiving game, that leads for opportunity for, to at least try and get home to Brock Purdy, like not get home, not because Christian McCaffrey is a good um, or like should be a factor in the pass blocking scheme, but it takes away the small dump offs for them. Yeah. And so, because that's where a lot of his receiving yards come from, where it's short compl- uh, passes in the within like five yards of the line of scrimmage for McCaffrey. And so, let them take some shots downfield and see if Jair, if he plays, and then Carrington Valentine, Corey Valentine can hold up against these guys because they've been up to the task for other good receivers um in their games they've played this season so why not try them against a couple more good receivers that's kind of how i how i'm seeing it yeah 
All right, Jordan. Score predictions. The moment we've all been waiting for. Who is uh? What's your score prediction? Um. I think I'm gonna probably pose the same. No, 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 no I'm not. I'm not. Forty Niners. Thirty-four. Packers. Twenty-three. Two score game. Yeah. They they don't cover. They barely don't cover. I think it's nine and a half. For uh, the Packers. Yeah, Packers are nine and a half point dogs. I know. I Disres- would have that would have been double digits. You think so? I know I a lot. A lot more. of people. A lot of people are upset that it's that much. Because it was like seven Come against on. the Cowboys. Let's be. Let's be. Well, it should. Let's, it should be more. I think it's right. I think it's about right. For how well yeah. the the Packers' offense has been playing, but yeah, that doesn't matter. Um, I'm going to go, I think a little more in the deficit. I think I'm going to go, man, I said 34, 23. I'll probably go 38, no, 31, 20. Yeah. You had, no, it was both 11. Yeah, both 11. So. Listen, math was never my strong suit. Um, 30, 31-29ers, to be exact. Or to be, to be certain. Or to, I guess to say who I was going to pick is what, what I'm going for here. There you go. Um, I think it's just going to be such a hard game. Home crowd that is looking for a Super Bowl, looking for all this. I will say, I'm not really sure how much it plays into it. Most of this defense remembers 2019. They were here for it. Why not do uh, go cause some revenge? Go get some revenge on this team and inflict some hard emotional pain on them like they did to you two years ago. I know that's not how the offense thinks because only Jordan Love was around and Aaron Jones for that matter. But all of the all of the specialists weren't around. Like, Jaden Reed not around. Bill Melton not around. Dante Wicks not around. All these guys weren't around. They need to go out and just play their tails off. And the defense needs to bring the intensity to inflict some hard revenge on this team that ended a probable Super Bowl run in 21 had it not been for that game. Yeah. Because otherwise, because then they go, then LA comes right to, right to Lambeau in that case. And they had already beaten in that season. So worth, uh, I know, I know it's hard to think about, but. And that defense performed. It did. The defense in, in, um, they only scored, I think a field goal. Cause everything else was the touchdown up of special teams. Uh-huh. It was, you uh-huh. know, so they need to have a very similar performance, a very similar performance. And I'm excited for it. Um, I'm really excited for it. So with all that being said, thank you so much for listening, folks. I am very excited for for this week's uh for this weekend's game on Saturday. They play at seven thirty, if I'm not mistaken. So 
be sure to check that out. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Jordan, do you want to announce the, or I guess we're, we're going live. It's we, we've been doing it for we're going live, been doing it for every 7:30 game this year. Why not make it this one? Win, lose, go home. Uh, we'll be live on YouTube and the Eurostep podcast, YouTube channel. Go subscribe there. Um, turn the little bell on, do all that kind of stuff. Uh, I always tweet out the link uh, at halftime of the games we're doing it, so go follow at Packers GSPN for that. I retweet it, so does Jordan, at New Mecca Zone for me on Twitter, at Jordan Trusky for him on Twitter. Go check out the rest of the Eurostep Podcast Network podcast at gspn.info and uh, join the Discord. Uh, check out the uh, the Bucks feed with Ty and Rohan as they talk all things Bucks, along with uh, Jordan Adam on 1 and 6. And then check out Adam and Andrew's Brewers podcast, Cruising for a Bruising, as they come up to uh, Pictures and Catchers reporting at the end of February. And check out their other podcasts, as I mentioned earlier, make time for this as well. So that does it for us, folks. Thank you so much for listening. An extra long playoff preview pod for you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Super sized. Feel free, if you liked it, to record or to rate it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you could. We'd really appreciate it. Um, and with that, Gold Packers, it's going to be a nervous two days until that game. Three days, Thursday, Friday, and most of Saturday. But we'll be right there with you at the end of it on Saturday, live on YouTube, talk about it. So, like everybody said, everybody, thank you for listening. And Jordan, thank you.